We are here tonight for a special purpose. The Lord has helped us as a church family to move forward. He's blessed us with a new facility. And tonight, we want to take the time to acknowledge that. Amen? We want to take the time to say, God, we recognize that. We're not passing over that. We're not taking that for granted. We're not saying, ho-hum, what's the big deal? We're saying, God, we recognize what you did. We thank you for it. And most of all, God, we want to dedicate it to you to be used for your purposes. I want to talk with you tonight about what kind of place has God built. As we turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 7 to hear from the Lord today, this is what we find. We find that God's heart in the Bible, this is good news. Somebody in this room maybe has never heard this before. God's heart, as we find it in the Bible, has always been to dwell with people. Isn't that amazing? That God created us for relationship. Let me share with you some of the different ways that's expressed in the Bible throughout history. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, the Bible says that in the Garden of Eden, that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Isn't that an amazing picture? Isn't that intimate? Isn't that a close, personal relationship? And then we find at Mount Sinai that God met with Moses on the mountaintop and he spoke through Moses to communicate his message to the people. And then as the people were wandering through the wilderness, he used the tabernacle, which was really just a tent. They call it the tent of meeting. And it was a place where God was saying, you know what, I'm going to be with my people and I want my physical presence to be there among you. By the time we get to this passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, God had taken them another step beyond a tent, beyond a temporary moving building to a more permanent, ornate, beautiful structure. Then we find in the New Testament, in Christ, he shows us that he, he desires to dwell among us as a human being. Today, as followers of Jesus, Christ lives in us through his Holy Spirit. And then in eternity one day, ultimately, we're going to live with God forever in his presence, with one another and with him forever and ever. All, all of it's going to come together. It's going to be just like God always intended for it to be. So as we come to 2 Chronicles chapter 6, we see an amazing, that amazing building that many people uh, refer to as Solomon's temple, okay? Uh, God had called David, he said, David, that great King David, he had called David to prepare for this, but, and you can go back and read the story, but he said, David, you're not going to build it, but I'm going to work through your son Solomon, and it's going to take, uh, it took about a seven-year period for Solomon to complete the temple. And now what we're seeing as we read 2 Chronicles 6 and 7, we're witnessing the dedication of that temple. Now as we look at the dedication of the temple, I I want you to be aware of something. Not everything in this passage is exactly analogous with our day today. In fact, you should say praise the Lord, okay? Thank God that he wanted to have a visible presence among his people, but it was actually a shadow. It it was actually a picture. The real thing that God wanted was to actually not just build a temple and he would dwell there and you would go to that temple. Actually, the Bible says in the New Testament that ultimately God wanted to be with us and in us all the time. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now you and I are the temple. We have much better. But as we see Solomon dedicate that temple to the Lord, 
there are some things that he says that are helpful for us as we think about this new building that God has given to us and dedicated to him. The first of all, Solomon said about the temple that it was first of all a place for God to work. Let me read to you out of Second Chronicles 6 verses 12 through 21. It says, Then he, Solomon, stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Now Solomon, parenthetically, had made a bronze platform five cubits long, about seven and a half feet long, and five cubits wide, about seven and a half feet wide, and three cubits high, which was about four and a half feet high, and he had set it in the midst of the court. And he stood on it, knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And then that's where we see in verses 14 through 17, Solomon begins to pray and talk to the Lord. But I want to pick up in verse 18. As he's praying, he says, But will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? Solomon is kind of doing what I just said. It is amazing that God would want to be with us. Amen? That's what Solomon says. He says, this is shocking. Okay, we're talking about, he, he says, as he was dedicating that temple, he was dedicating a building which was supposed to represent the, the place where God was visibly going to uh, uh, dwell among his people. He says, I can't believe this. Will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven, the heaven of heavens, cannot contain you. You ought to say, wow, God... How much more this house, how much less this house which I have built. Yet he says in verse 19, Have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to listen to the cry and to the prayer which your servant prays before you, that your eye may be open toward this house day and night, toward the place of which you have said that you would put your name there, to listen to the prayer which your servant shall pray toward this place. Listen to the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from your dwelling place from heaven. Hear and forgive. Now as we read these verses, I think we see that Solomon admitted that even the vast expanse of heaven cannot contain God. So even as Solomon was talking about his temple, he was not... He was not even daring to imply that his measly little 100 by, I think, 30 feet. I forget the dimensions. Yes, it was 100 feet long uh, by 30 feet wide, okay? He said, I'm not even beginning to imagine that this little temple that I'm building for you, God, is going to contain you. But it's clear that Solomon is saying, even though I realize, God, that that is true, I am asking you to work from this place. As we dedicate this facility to the Lord, may that be our cry and our prayer, even if it's different than Solomon's prayer. You see, as I shared, the nature of Solomon's temple was different than ours. It was intended to literally be the visible presence of God in this world, the place where God dwelled. But today, that's supposed to be you and me. And so listen to me very carefully, church family. This is revolutionary for many people in America. We, New Hope Community Church, do not have to have a building to exist to worship God and to serve His purposes in this world. Did you hear that? Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. 
We do not have to have a building. There are many churches across the world that do not have a facility, that cannot have a facility, and yet they are functioning as the body of Christ as a church family. So if God does want us to have a facility to use, it would not be the sanctuary. Really, to be honest with you, I can't even myself bring myself to call this the house of God in that sense. I mean, I understand a little bit playing semantics, okay? I understand how we might say this is a house which God works from, okay? This is holy maybe in the sense of that we're saying that God gave us a facility to use and to work. I, I kind of see that. I understand that. But I think we have to be very careful because in our world, that seems to be our leaning is to focus on buildings and places and things. It is God's stuff. So we should take care of it. We should use it wisely. But I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we're going to get scuffs on the walls. We already have. We're going to get stains on the carpet. We already have. This is a tool. It's a resource. Thank God for 11 years, we paid someone else to use their tool, to use their resource. Thank God that he's given us the ability to have a tool, a resource that that we can call our own ministry center. But it's not a monument. It's not a temple in the sense of that Old, Old Testament temple. It is a place that God has said, I have given you a place to work from, to work out of a ministry center where you can worship me together and then you can move these chairs and you can play basketball with little kids and share Christ with them and then you can move them around and put them around a table and you can eat together and have a banquet together or fellowships or Thanksgiving meals or whatever else we might be able to do with that room. We must rid ourselves as Americans of this idea of a building focus. If we don't, it will limit our ability for God to work from this place. And eventually it will change our focus. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. I hope when people ask you, where is your church? I hope when people ask you that, you say, I don't have a clue where they are this week. I mean, some of them live up in Scroon Lake and some of them live down in Corinth. I don't have a clue where they are. But we meet over on 454 Corinth Road many times. You will probably never hear me say, I'll meet you at church. I always discipline myself to say, I'll see you at our building. I'll see you at our facility. I don't want to get into semantics, like there's a right way and a wrong way to talk, okay? But you understand the point? The point is, let's remember, God has given us a place for Him to work out of. But secondly, it's a place for lives to change. In Second Chronicles 6, starting in verse 22, there's seven different statements that Solomon makes to the Lord about people and about situations in their lives. And I'm just going to kind of summarize those in verse 22. It says, God, if a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath, and he comes and take an oath before your altar in this house, then, okay, so there's seven if Something happens in someone's life, then God's going to do this statement. Then in verse 24, if your people, Israel, are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you, and they return to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication before you in this house, what? Then, here's what God's going to do. 
Then it says in verse 26, When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you and they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin, when you afflict them, then, okay, God, here's some situations that people are going to find themselves in and you're going to work in their lives. In verse 28, if there's a famine in the land or if there's pestilence or a blight or mildew, he goes on through verse 29. Then, God, this is what you're going to do in their life. In verse 32, also concerning the foreigner who is not from your people, Israel. You know what? Thank God that God's doors are always open to new people. Amen? He says if, there, if there's someone who hasn't been a part of your work before, when he comes from a far country for your great namesake and your mighty hand, your outstretched arm, when you come, when they come and pray toward this house, then God... Here's what we ask you to do in their life. Then in verse 34, when your people go out to battle against their enemies, then God, here's what we ask you to do. Then in verse 36, when they sin against you, then parenthetically again, for there is no man who does not sin. Okay, God, here's what you're going to do in verse 39. Now I want to share with you, first of all, I want you to realize many of us, maybe if you've been around church for a little while, you might be pretty familiar with 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Okay, that's a common passage, it's a great Bible verse that reminds us this is a great time of year to be thinking about that as we're going through our 40 days of prayer, as we're coming upon an election. It's a great passage that reminds us as a nation how when we're in a time of hurting and struggle that we should turn to God. But really, I don't know if you realize this or not, but 2 Chronicles seven fourteen is really a synopsis of what we just read. It was really kind of a summary of all those situations that we just looked at. And as we look at it, again, I need to continue to emphasize this, the building that Solomon was dedicating had a special, distinct role that our building does not. But I do believe that his words here give us a similar principle to the building we are dedicating. This building was to be a place where lives would be changed by God. God, if this happens in someone's life, then we're asking you to do this for them. Friends, this building that we are sitting in today was given to us. Listen, make no mistake about it. It was given to us. Let no one rewrite history later. Let it be written down. Let it be recorded right now. It was given to us for the express purpose of giving more people an opportunity to be changed by the life-changing, transforming power of Jesus Christ. That is the reason God gave us this place. I want to tell you something that just really washed over me this week as I thought about this. When God began starting New Hope about 12 years ago, Someone challenged me. Robbie, what is the vision of this church? What is it that God's put on your heart that this church is to be about, that, that God wants to do in people's lives through this church that, that God's put in your heart called New Hope Community Church? And they challenged me to write down, okay, 20 years from now. We're not quite there yet, okay? 12, we're farther than I would have thought. 12 years, man. Wow, 12 years. But somebody said, 20 years from now. What would you want people to say? I wrote down some specific things that I believed, I desired that God would be able to say testimonies that people would give. I want you to listen to some of those things. I wrote down a 16-year-old student that she would say this. I had been involved in church a little bit growing up, but not much. I had heard about New Hope, and a few weeks ago, one of the other youth invited me to youth group. 
It was so powerful, God began to speak to my heart and I accepted Christ as my Savior. I remember 12 years ago thinking, it is our dream, it is our goal that a 16-year-old young lady one day is going to come. She's going to say, you know what, I ha- I- I- I've been involved in church a little bit, but-, but somebody invited me to youth group and I've given my life to Jesus. I thought about an adult who might say, you know what, I had, I had gone to another church all my life, but not really thought much about it. I heard about New Hope, and I was curious about what, God was, go- what was going on here. And I came when a co-worker invited me. I've given my life to the Lord. I'm still learning every day. I'm still growing in my relationship with God. And I'm serving in the kids' Awana ministry. I thought about a pastor's wife. Maybe as we grew and as God blessed us where we could add other uh, pastors to our pastoral team. I thought about, I'd love to hear a pastor's wife say, you know, God spoke to us about moving to this area. God spoke to us about becoming part of the ministry of New Hope. And I got to tell you, at the time, I thought my husband was crazy. Amen? Some of you out there, Patty and Julie. But God's amazing. And he's done it. I hope these ladies could say that. I thought about a community leader. I thought about our mayor. Or I thought about our town supervisor. I hope that that somebody in our community could say, you know what, this little church, I mean, they just got started, but they've come a long way. And and, and I can clearly say that our community is different because New Hope is here in this community. I wrote those things 12 years ago. And they were hypotheticals back then. But I'm hoping they're not very far off for some of you tonight. Isn't that cool? I've shared with you many times. At the time, I could see you guys' faces. I could see y'all sitting out there. I mean, I could see you sitting out there. I couldn't see your faces. It was fuzzy. And it's so cool how over the years, it's come into focus more. I can see you're real people that God put on our hearts to start a church to make a difference. Sounds like some changed lives to me, amen? God called us to be a place for changed lives. But finally, a place that fulfills its purpose. Look at uh, verses 12 through 22 of chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 12 says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Here's that passage I was talking about. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. It's an amazing promise. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, Solomon, if you walk before me as your father David walked, even to do according to all that I commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish your throne, your royal throne, as I covenanted with your father David, saying you shall not lack a man to be ruler in Israel. But listen to verse 19. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot you from my land, which I have given you. And this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. As for this house, which was exalted 
Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? And they will say, Because they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers who brought them from the land of Egypt from slavery, and they adopted other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this adversity on them. Now, we didn't read Second Chronicles 6, starting in verse 40, going through verse 11 of chapter 7. You can go back and you can read the close of Solomon's prayer, and you can read some of the specific things that they did, the Jewish people, at their dedication. But what I want to focus on is in these verses, in verses 12 through 22. The Lord said to Solomon, All that I am doing is for the express purpose of you seeking me, and you following me. Isn't that what he said? He said, what I want you to do in verse 14, I want you to seek my face. And then in verse uh, 16, verse 17, he says, and I want you to walk before me to walk in all my ways. Now, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad summary of what our purpose is as well. God has said, if I have blessed you, again, it's slightly different than we're talking about the temple. The temple, God said some things forever, right? He's not saying anything forever about 454 Corinth Road. He's not saying anything perpetually, okay? There's some special things about Jerusalem. Do you understand that? There's some special things about Jerusalem. There's some special things about the temple that are unique, that are special, that are different. But I believe the principle applies. The Lord said to Solomon, I am doing this so that you will seek me from this place and so that you will walk with me and serve me from this place. And the Lord said to Solomon, if it's not used for those purposes, I'm going to get rid of it. Wow. It's very sobering to realize. Friends, listen. It's very sobering to realize that Solomon did, in fact, turn away from the Lord. That Israel did, in fact, turn away from the Lord. That God did, in fact, allow this temple to be destroyed. Solomon's temple. And it was rebuilt by Zerubbabel. You remember we talked about the captivity in Babylon and how they came out of Babylon. They came back and rebuilt the temple. Okay, that's referred to typically uh, by Bible, uh, uh, Bible historians as Zerubbabel's temple. Okay, because he, uh, he was a part of that effort. Okay, and then that temple was sort of remodeled and sort of upgraded, and we hear about Herod's temple. It was sort of, uh, some additions were made to it. So there were two temples, but Herod's temple, Zerubbabel's temple and Herod's temple, those were destroyed, completely annihilated in 70 AD by the Romans. By the way, in God's faithfulness, we believe the word of God teaches that he's going to rebuild that temple because God finishes what he starts. Amen? That's not going to be the last word for this specific temple. But the point of this all is that God is going to accomplish his purposes. The question is, will we be a part of it? Right? Because I've got to tell you something this week as I was preparing to share this with you. I've got to share with you, at this point, God began to speak to my heart about what I'm about to share with you. And I had to be silent for about 15 minutes. I put my hand over my mouth and I just sat there with my eyes closed. I want you to hear what I'm about to share. I wonder 
if we were able to come back in 200 years, if the Lord tarries, we don't know if God's going to, it looks like it's getting closer and closer for Jesus to come back. But if he waits, if we were to come back in 200 years and look at this place, this ground that God has given us physically, will the tracks that we are laying for ministry in and through this building be continuing to go on for generations and generations? Are we teaching the little kids that you see in this room and that you see coming out of kids' church later in the service as you leave the service? Are we teaching those little kids so that they will teach their children and they will teach their children? Will our community know Christ more or less because of us? couple of hundred years from now if we pulled up in the parking lot would this building still be standing here but it'd be awfully grown up when you go by a church building and it looks kind of grown up don't you kind of think there must not be much happening there they don't really take care of the place you ever go by a church building you see the sign there's letters falling off the sign or it hasn't been painted in years and you just wonder you know is there anything happening and why is it that they're not excited enough to keep the place up Or maybe the building would still be here and a few of our relatives, our kids, we taught them, they grew up, they they did some things here, they, you know, through the generations. And they'd be trying to keep this building up, but God had been long gone. And the New Hope family had been long gone. It was just a bunch of people trying to keep a building up. Isn't that what's happening in many facilities across our country? There's a couple of core people that are saying... We've got to keep this building going. But the real question is, what does God want to do here? Would there be a lot of activity? Would it be a very active place? Almost like, you know, the YMCA. We have a lot of activities. We have a lot of things to offer to people. But we don't have a message anymore. You know, it's great to have some activities. It's great to be creative. It's great to get the message out. And we'll probably do some of those things out of this building. But if we lost our message... Is that going to be pleasing to God? Or maybe there'd not even be a sign that there'd ever been a church here in the first place. Maybe there'll be a mall here. Maybe there'll be something else that somebody put up. You know, I'm not so concerned about that as I'd be concerned, is there any indication that there was a New Hope church here that served God that was still present in this community? And we think to ourselves, well, Pastor Robbie, that's depressing. Well, it could be. Amen? God said to his people, I want to work through you. I want to work in you. But you've got to be willing to seek me and to serve me. So let's change that picture. Let's say today, let's say today that 200 years from now, there is no doubt to the future generations, because we saved a copy, right? We said, let them be no doubt that the people who started, that God used to start this place, their intention was that this would be a place that God would be served for generations and generations. And would this be a place that missionaries were being sent out by the hundreds? Would this be a place that could say, you know what, over the last couple hundred years... 
There's been churches started all over the Northeast because God was doing something special here. Wouldn't that be awesome? Which picture would you rather it be? Sadness? Oh my goodness, where'd we go wrong? Or joy? Thank you, God. I got to be a small part of laying a foundation, but you took it even farther than we ever could have imagined. God wants it to be a place that fulfills its purpose. A place where people, not a building, but a church family, can meet with God and serve Him from. The question is this, what kind of place has God built? It should be a place for God to work. It should be a place for lives to be changed. And it should be a place that fulfills its purpose. I want to ask you tonight, church family, will you pray with me that God will do that? Will you say, God, I'm scared because I'm afraid I'll mess it up. I am scared. I'm afraid I'll mess it up. I'm just telling you, I'm me, okay? I need God to help me. How about you? Would you seek the Lord with me tonight and say, God, we... Kneel before you tonight. I'm going to ask you to do that tonight. I'm going to ask some of you. Last week I asked you to come forward. But I'm going to ask you just to get down by your seat. You're welcome to come forward if you'd like to. But I'm just going to ask you if you would just get down by your seat. And you would just say, God, have mercy on us. Just like Israel. Why, God? Why did you give us this privilege? Amen? Why did I get? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that you're going to say it's so cool that I got to be a part of when we were in that other building? It's so cool. I remember that. We're going to have stories to share. Isn't it cool? Why did I get to be a part of that? It's so cool that I got to be a part of the first generation that, that took this next step. It's so cool. Why did I get to be a part of that, God? The Bible says to whom much is given, much shall be required. So tonight, God, what is it that you would have me to do? How is it that you would have my life to, to, to make a contribution to this being all that you created for it to be? I'm going to ask you to bow with me, would you? Some of you, if you would, just to get on your knees by your chair. Let's just humble ourselves. That's what the Lord said in Second Chronicles 7. For our church, for our nation, for our families. And I wonder here tonight if there's someone who's never put their trust in Jesus. And you say, Pastor Robbie, you built it for me. It was for me. I had never even been here before. I had never heard this message until you came over in this direction. And something happened. Something drew me here. And I'm here tonight. I've been here for the last few weeks. And I know that Jesus is speaking in my heart. And I need to give my life to him. Friend, listen. That's what it's all about. That's what we're here for. God, tonight I pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would wake up us as Christians and help us to see the opportunity that you have risen us up for such a time as this to work in us and to work in a mighty way through us. I'm going to ask you just to be on your knees here for just a moment with me.
as we're there, I want to pray a prayer of dedication to the Lord. And you, you, you agree along with me. Just in your heart, would you just pray and ask God to do what we've talked about tonight? Heavenly Father, it's kind of strange to be on this stage tonight looking at all these people. Because I remember a day when I was sitting in my basement and it was cold and damp and dark and I wondered, could this really happen? Father, you have done it. You have brought us to this place. But Father, it's not because this is where you wanted us to be. It's because you wanted to lay the foundation for us to make a difference in the lives of people for generations to come. And God, I pray tonight that we would realize the responsibility that we have as your servants. You have given us so much. that You have blessed us so much. And Father, that we would just be so burdened for others. But God, we'd let you work in our lives. And we'd step up to the plate and we'd say, God, I'll let you use me now. I'll let you work through me because there's a vision for the next 10 years, the next 12 years, the, the, the next people that are going to come. And God, I pray that we would be a part of something that's much bigger than New Hope Community Church, but that your kingdom work, which we sense is blowing across this area, Father, that we could make a contribution to what you're doing and that we would make sure that the things that you've given to us, whether it's our life, whether it's this building, whether it's our family, our jobs, whatever it is, that it would all be used for your glory. Father, help us to always be careful to never forget that you are the one who've done this and to give you the praise for it. And may people around see what you've done and surrender their lives to you as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.